Hello there, friends and listeners. It is I, Matt Silverman, the producer of Two Girls, One Podcast, and I am on vacation, which is questionable since I'm talking into a mic and doing work right now, but I'm here to say that today's episode is an encore episode. This is Birds of North America with Jason Ward. This was originally published last year, June 10th, 2019. Uh, We're taking it back because we're taking a break, and this is one of our favorite episodes about birdwatching and also about the stereotypes of birdwatchers and how Jason Ward and his project, his books, and his uh, YouTube show kind of bust all that up. If you're a new subscriber to the show, welcome. We are thrilled to have you. If you've been a subscriber, maybe you've already heard this episode. Uh, Skip it. Come back uh, next week, two weeks. Um, but also maybe listen to it again. It's a lot of fun. We hope you enjoy. We really enjoyed talking with Jason. And without further ado, here is episode 87 of Two Girls, One Podcast, Birds of North America. This week's episode of Two Girls, One Podcast is all about tweeting. Stay tuned for some smoking hot social media strategies to gain followers and turn your Twitter account into, uh, I'm being told, this episode is about OG tweeting, like, with actual birds. Can you get likes and shares from uh, looking at birds? If not, what's the point? Find out in this thrilling uh, Bird Watchers edition of Two Girls, One Podcast. And now, here are two birds who are always in hand and never in the bush. Alison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. Hey, everybody. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. Allie and I had a show for a long time where we used the internet as a script. That is not this show. <laughs> that was a live comedy show, Internet as a Script, and we played different characters in that. It was called Blogalogs. But that inspired this here podcast. Um, along the way, before getting to the podcast, we made a web series called Two Girls, One Show, where we started interviewing people behind internet posts and communities and going on scripted adventures, and then eventually decided that we really liked those interviews and um, teamed up with The Daily Dot to make Two Girls, One Podcast, talking to people behind the internet things that we've been checking out. So welcome. We're happy that you're here. And today's show is going to be fucking amazing um, and wholesome. And I know we always say that and that it's not, but I truly think today has promise. Also, birding is back, bitches. (laughs) That's right. I was (laughs) trying very hard to interject with the bird pun and I failed. So that's what I was doing over here. Just yeah. so we all know. So who, but who knew birding is not boring? Birding. Today's episode is about <laughs> who birding. Knew birding <laughs> is not boring. He's going to be thrilled when he listens to the top of the show. <laughs> but no, but I'm with you. Knows. I'm with you. We're talking to Jason Ward, uh, who works with the Audubon Society and has a very strong internet presence, um, especially with his uh, YouTube series, Birds of North America. He hosts birding challenges, identification challenges on Twitter. Uh, he is awesome and hilarious, and he's also talking a lot about birding within cities, which I'm really interested in. And people are just raving about him. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're then. just flocking to his channel. Yes, <laughs> I'm out. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering how long it would go on for. I, uh, not yeah. long. Have you ever been birding? No, but a- actually, I do think birds are fucking cool. I think birds and flowers are so underrated. They are fucking awesome. <laughs> they do yeah. crazy shit. Yeah, you know, some people are terrified of birds. Like uh, that old Hitchcock movie, The Birds. My mother hates birds. Like she, when she sees it, it's like she saw like a little rat. Oh my God, or Mama Jam, what the fuck? I know she's so <laughs> awesome, but she has a strange fear of birds. Wait, um, do you hate birds? No, I think they're awesome too. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, I think they're awesome. Um, but yeah, have you ever been birding? Also, every time I say birding, I'm going to say it twice and say birding. That's the only way that it should be said. And <laughs> I am down to do that for the rest of the show. And you know why? Because birds of a feather stick together. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, my fine feather birding. friend. <laughs> <laughs> birding. 
But the other, the reason why we're interviewing him today is that through the internet, this man is breathing new life into burning. <laughs> That's right. You're <laughs> saying it t- twice. I'm just saying it once. Just once. In, That's fine. In the way that it should be said. Um. Well, what we typically think of, I think, are older people you know, elderly people maybe taking it up as a pastime in retirement, going into the woods with binoculars. The elderly this, white people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, this gentleman is like, you know, anybody should be birding. It's it's awesome. And so I want, I'm excited, but I think he's going to get us really excited about it. I like how he's breaking stereotypes on a lot of levels because also his series takes place in Manhattan, which I think of as a bird desert. But apparently... <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially in migration, there are tons of different species that fly through. Who knows? Yeah. Isn't there a falcon in Central Park? Or maybe that's an urban legend. Um, no, I, th- I think there is. Actually, he, his, his episodes start, his trailer starts with a story that I share that experience. So I was like, fuck yeah, I once saw a falcon de-feathering a pigeon on a fire escape. And I was like, holy Good. shit. Good. Get he took the pigeon's virginity? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's deflowering. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're close. You're close. Okay. Wait, you saw that? What, what, like, what was it like in the moment? Was it actually? Disgusting? I don't know if it was a falcon, but based on his videos, I'm assuming it was. But everyone was crowded on the street corner, looking up at the fire escape. I was like, "What the fuck is going down?" You know, in New York, that always means something crazy is happening. And this right. bird was slowly defeathering a pigeon, would just nip a feather. Boom! Then throw it out like a bad bitch, just like bam, just slowly defeathering this fucking bird. I don't know if the bird was still alive or not. Uh, I think it was dead. I think it was dead because it wasn't struggling anymore. Did he eat it? But it was like whenever you see nature in New York City, you're like, whoa, nature. (laughs) I didn't stay long enough to see the the eating, but I'm assuming that was next. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it flies off, but. You know, I have like a little Cinderella moment every morning because I get these morning doves, I think they're called. I don't know. I have to ask Jason what they are exactly, but they come to the balcony of my apartment and they just sit there. Do you sing to them? They're looking into my apartment. I don't sing to them, but I'll often talk to them. Like I'll wake up and be like, oh, hello. (laughs) I just am so delighted to see them. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But you should also sing to them. Okay. See if they land on uh, your hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I love being outside. And this is what I want to talk to him about partly is just how do we appreciate nature more living in cities? There's got to be a way. Oh, that was such oh. a gen question. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> the one who goes to the farm. I know. I'm putting on a character. It sounded like a bit of a stretch. That one didn't work. <laughs> uh, uh, Ali, okay. you're... All right, that was a good one, but the delivery was a bit flawed. We could try yeah, again. Yeah, well, it's like how do you how do you get across that it's just say it with confidence. That was a bit I of an it. ostrich. Like, did you a get that, that was Th- that was a bit of a like, uh, stretch? A bit yeah, it's, of see, it's hard stretch. to it's hard right. to deliver. You got to let them know that you're saying both ostrich and a bit of a stretch. Here, here's <laughs> it was a the bit thing. of but, ostrich. It was a bit of a stretch. Is that Sometimes when actors when actors have difficult <laughs> oh, dialogue, they they go to a process called rehearsal, mm-hmm. so well, they can get I a feel for the words. Didn't right, right, right. do that for this podcast. Got it. Okay. I see. I see your commitment level, and I it is noted in your <laughs> you permit record. What? You know what? Uh, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> this, this episode is over. <laughs> but don't worry. I'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's this elusiveness of birds that makes them fascinating. I'm not super big on birds, but I get it. And uh, a family member recently showed me an app. Uh, It might be called eBird or eBirds. Don't quote me on that. But basically, it's a a, a nature conservancy or a, a university was like, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could track the migratory patterns of uh, this bird or that bird, but we can't like put scientists everywhere or put cameras and microphones everywhere. And then they had this genius thought of like, oh, right, everyone has a camera and a microphone in their pocket. And so sign up for this app. And it's basically like you see a bird and you get excited about that bird, but you have no idea what it is. And you go to the app and say, okay, I live in uh, the Northeastern United States. The bird was kind of gray with like a red speck and you scroll through, it narrows it down. You're like, yep, this was the bird. You sit, you hit, yes, I saw it here. And I guess it geotags it and it creates this 
huge amount of data and you can actually look on a map and it's like oh, you can see the birds like lighting up and flying across the United States because thousands of people have geotagged where the birds are and scientists can then be like oh this the migratory pattern kind of shifted a little bit because the climate changed a little bit or whatever and it's like okay we're crowdsourcing conservancy yeah. now loved it blew my that's mind i would really, love to really know if jason cool. is like plugged into this scene or not oh, that's great wait that's awesome but you have to trust people if you're using this app and you're all about birds i think you have to hopefully assume that nobody is trolling the fucking bird app you know the migratory <laughs> app have but you not the been probably on the internet some, someone is, is you're right you're it. right you're yeah. right yeah. what the duck <laughs> <laughs> oh lord well, I for All one would right. love some trivia. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. do it. This week's trivia is pretty straightforward. The question is, which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> okay, I see what you're doing. Now, here. <laughs> this is a this is an ancient metaphorical question about causality. How can we have a chicken without an egg? How can we have an egg without the chicken first? Uh, but there is actually a very obvious. Uh, and clear-cut scientific answer to this question. This question is answered. Uh, and so your multiple choice is chicken or egg. And and you don't have to necessarily know why, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on why you pick which answer. I'm well, going with chicken. Okay. Although I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm going to go with egg. I just feel like like a chicken just wouldn't like however things evolved like it it would have had to be an egg first no matter what i would imagine even if the egg didn't come from a chicken <laughs> that's so stupid um anyway no, Ali, what's sense. your reasoning <laughs> okay. no mine was sort of similar it's like well there must have been an animal before the chicken that evolved into the chicken and then started right. laying eggs or something right I don't know. okay but i guess just as easily it could have been that evolution created the egg which then I'm going with chicken. chicken. Yeah. All right. All right. Allie goes with chicken. Jen goes with egg. We will find out the correct answer to this age-old question after the break. And now the real product description for a container of 1,500 live ladybugs from the website where I purchase all of my livestock, Amazon.com. Live adult ladybugs prefer to eat aphids can develop up to 50 aphids a day. Dine only on insects. Will not harm vegetation. Twenty dollars and ninety-nine cents. Well, that was aggressive. <laughs> I mean, I would think about what? buying the product, except that was a little aggressive. <laughs> it's yeah. a hard sell. <laughs> yeah. What's an aphid? I was about to ask the same thing. <laughs> Is it like a little like maggot or worm? You know, I feel like that's... I believe they're very, very tiny. Uh, tiny little tiny little insects, but uh, they are eaten by other larger insects like ants and ladybugs, of course. And I think they are pests. Like they are not great for crops or gardening. So you sprinkle a little ladybugs, a uh, pack of ladybugs on your garden. <laughs> Matt's definition just regurgitated the ad. <laughs> I think mm -hmm. ladybugs mm -hmm. eat them. So they're <laughs> smaller than ladybugs based and on my research <laughs> on amazon.com that you want them to eat them wow great <laughs> ladybugs are also good luck just so we all are aware yeah oh, yeah okay i recently learned that ladybugs are beetles oh. which are is obvious but like Whoa. we never think of them that way right like their yeah, own distinct beetles thing. are gross ladybugs are adorable beetles are exactly yeah. Yeah. what's up right. with that people go yeah. as ladybugs for halloween nobody fucking goes as a beetle <laughs> <laughs> Next year, I'm going to go as a beetle. Yeah, you should go as a be beetle. Disgusting. Let's bring beetles yeah, back, oh, bitches. Fucking beetle. Yeah. <laughs> my costume is going to beetle all the others in the oh costume. Oh, my God. She's contest. unstoppable. Mm. She's really. <laughs> that was bad. That was bad. <laughs> all right. What, what's the answer to the trivia? But I'm trying. <laughs> She's yeah. trying. Yeah. And that's all, all right. that counts. Kids, if you're listening at home, trying, that's yeah. all that matters. <laughs> If you are terrible, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter because you tried. Ah! All right. That's, cool. that's how business works. Just try your hardest. 
today's episode is about the birds of North America, and today's trivia is about birds, specifically chickens, and the age-old, mostly metaphorical question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Usually, we don't really know the answer to that, but science has solved it very clearly. You guys went with, Ali said chicken, and Jen said yeah. egg. But I think the answer is going to be some bullshit thing about neither. Just knowing you, Matt. I totally wow. think it's Matt. Yeah, because this is a subjective one. Because he even said the metaphorical question. He's going to give us some bullshit. <laughs> Which came first, chicken or egg? The answer is aliens. <laughs> you can't hear me shaking my head. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> the, the correct answer is the egg. Jen gets it right, and her explanation was perfectly exactly you, correct. I'm a genius. Oh, shit. Am I a MacArthur genius? Jen, Is this how you get the award? <laughs> you were on it like a Congratulations. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, awesome. All right. So what, what is the actual explanation? <laughs> Ev- evolution is the answer. Uh, every animal, every distinct species comes from another species. And this is sort of, you know, evolution is not like here's a, you know, here's a jungle fowl and then boop, a chicken appears. Like it's a, it's a slow, gradual scale, but, and scientists don't know exactly when domesticated chickens evolved from uh, red jungle fowl, wild birds that lived in the jungle, but uh, they estimate about 8,000 years ago, there is no definitive egg that's like, this was a jungle fowl and this was a chicken, but on the sliding scale of evolution, there is an arbitrary point at which we say, now it's a chicken. And it has to do with um, the viability of interbreeding the, the species or whatever, but the the definite answer is at some point in history, a jungle fowl laid an egg and out came a slightly different creature that we now call a chicken. Thus, the egg came first, evolutionarily speaking. You got to admit that um, me selecting chicken was a good goose. (laughs) 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 Ellie, is your punch out clock right there? Why don't you punch out now? You got that there? Just punch out. I'm impressed. For someone who doesn't sleep, you've got you got him. What do you think I do with all that time? I'm not counting sheep. I'm thinking of puns. <laughs> no. Really, considering how many hours I spent awake, I don't have that many. <laughs> Before we get to our interview, we should play a clip of Birds of oh North America, God. just in case our audience yeah, is not familiar. Yeah, but not if it's Trader Joe's, okay? Not if it's Trader Joe's. I never. Would never. He wouldn't. He wouldn't do that to us. If I'm saying I'm queuing up a clip of a show that which is give, provides context to our loyal audience, why would I mislead them? Because you're a trickster. You know yeah. Yeah. Also, you watch out because one day Jen and I are going to get you back. And you know why? <laughs> because two can play it. <laughs> Girl, you don't need to drop your mic. You need I to literally smash it against it. the wall. Just smash it. <laughs> upset though because he'll have to no, order I give me you, a new mic it's so good it's so good i give you permission smash that mic <laughs> ah, no i can't do it i can't do it, can't do it. Uh, all right let's hear it all right here is here is a, a a small clip from the trailer for birds of north america starring jason ward not gonna be it's not gonna be <laughs> here's a little sniff of what's coming up on this episode you of inside trader you joe's that's the thing about your trader joe's honestly if you walk in the store i think i usually count How the f- that episode of TJ's starts the, with birds, did, so I how felt did you do like that? you. You know, it did, it Ugh. did, it did. All right, let's hear the real one. I still don't give a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the let's real one. When I was 14, I spotted a peregrine falcon on my windowsill in the Bronx. I never looked back. Oh, I just don't understand how everyone can't love that. I'm Jason Ward. This is Birds of North America. I'm talking. Don't look at that bird. That's cool. You go hang out with your falcon. I'm out of here. Birding sounds I cool. I fucking love Wyatt Senek. He's fucking awesome. I was sitting here <laughs> dancing. That was his guest in that episode. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, yeah. look, it makes more sense when you see the video where they're chasing chasing uh, birds around Central Park, right. but you get you get a sense of the enthusiasm here. It's, it's such a great uh, You guys have series. to check it out. It. Well... 
We have the host with us now. So everybody, please welcome Jason Ward. Jason is the Community Relations and Outreach Coordinator for the National Audubon Society, as well as the host of Birds of North America. Welcome, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited. So I think we just need to ask, like, to kick it off, how did you get into birding? Um, we were talking about, like, how you think about it as your grandpa's pastime, but, like, you know, yeah. you're young, you're doing cities. So yeah, how did this all get started for you? Yeah. So first of all, we're not we're taking that old stereotype and we're just kind of like turning it on upside down on its head. Um, birding is going to be new. It's going to be sexy. It's going to be cool. Yes. Uh, in the next <laughs> five to ten years, hopefully, hopefully sooner rather than later, we're going to flip the script on what birding is thought of as. Yeah. Now, birding. <laughs> I'm really excited. <laughs> For for me personally, um, I I was always one of those kids who was always obsessed with animals ever since a a, a young age. And dinosaurs started out being my favorite initially. I think everyone pretty much goes through that dinosaur phase. And that progressed to anything and everything that can walk, swim, fly, crawl, didn't really matter to me. Birds wound up being my favorite, the front runners for multiple reasons. One, they're super closely related to dinosaurs. Um, some may argue, rightfully so, that they are modern day dinosaurs. In addition to that, they had the ability to just leave. And that was something that I admired. And what I mean by that is they had the ability to look at their immediate surroundings, decide, you know what? This isn't really suitable for me. I need greener pastures. And they can pick up fly and find a better environment to live in. And that is something that growing up in the Bronx, in, in the projects, essentially, that I always admired. I kind of lived vicariously through birds as I grew up. That's oh super deep. Oh my God. Deep. <laughs> that goes so deep so quickly. <laughs> <I know. laughs> oh my. Also, who knew birds were so smart? You know, we don't, I don't typically think of them that way, but like, are, are birds smart? <laughs> this is the thing, right? Yes and no, right? So well, I have arguments with people who study mammals and insects and fish all the time, and we're trying to decide whose animals are better. I think birds are better than everything else. <laughs> they use tools, they have complex systems of communication, they dance, they sing, they do all of these things, and they, they kind of use humans for their benefit occasionally. So like there are studies out there that have observed crows uh, standing or perching on top of a traffic light and waiting for cars to run over uh, a nut that they dropped into, in the street. Oh shit. They fly down and they eat the nut. So yeah, birds are kind of manipulating us. <laughs> also at the same time, there are a lot of bird stereotypes that are wrong going the opposite direction. So, you know, People think that owls are wise, wise old owl. Not really. <laughs> really? I always knew it. Owls are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> owls have big, giant eyes. And sometimes their eyes take up about 60% of their skull size, which, you know, doesn't leave room for a brain, for a lot of brain. <laughs> so they're not the wisest animals. Um, it, there's been several instances in which owls have had to be rescued from lakes. And the reason for that is because they're flying around and they see their reflection in the water and they say, oh, man, there's another owl. I have to attack it. And they fly down to attack that other <laughs> owl. Find out that they're not a duck. They're an owl. They can't swim. <laughs> um, well, Jason, I, I read in that Verge article with you, you said, you know, people think that we're living like in a Disney like world where the songbirds are just singing again along. But really, birds are pretty vicious. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, there there are memes out there of. You know, people just walking around and listening to all of the wonderful, sweet bird songs, just wondering what in the world are they singing about? They seem so happy. And in reality, they're screaming at their neighbors saying, you better not come over here. I'm stronger than you. I'm going to fight <laughs> you up. And also at the same time, hey, I'm horny, ladies. Holler at me. Let me know what's going on. I'm really strong. I would, you know, we can lay some really cool eggs together. So, I mean, the, the, the over... All message is kind of uh, creepy if you really think about it. Totally. It's like all <laughs> seduction and destruction. Yeah. <laughs> seduction and destruction. Man. That's, that, that's the name of your band, actually. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Birds. They're cuckoo. 
Oh God, Allie, <laughs> just please, <laughs> please stop with the puns. <laughs> I, from from Heron out, I'll stop. Oh my mm. God, why are you so oh, good at that? Shit! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Jason. Um, first of all, I'm loving this. I my hypothesis was correct that birds are like flowers. I I know that sounded stupid, but I'm sticking with it because flowers okay. do amazing okay. surprise things, and so do birds. I'm into it. Cool. How I'm did you. you go from loving birds to bringing them to the masses of the internet? So I'm gonna say around six or seven years ago. I yes, about six years ago, I was working at this weird mortgage job right and it was like typical corporate america stuff and for birds just no. <laughs> no. No. no no mortgages for birds come on exactly down. do you need a nest and, and i got a promotion and that promotion allowed me with the freedom to just take up a new hobby and and, and it granted me with a little bit more money to be able to explore this hobby and naturally i said okay perfect i can buy a pair of binoculars now. I have way more free time that I can kind of expend going to bird walks and stuff. So I just, I Googled local animal organizations in the Atlanta area, stumbled upon Atlanta Audubon, uh, attended a bird walk, and the rest is history from there. I started a Twitter maybe, man, it was about eight years ago, I believe. And the main focus of that Twitter for a long time now has been birds and just science communication and, and, and preaching the gospel of birds to, to pretty much everyone. When you think about it, that's exactly what Twitter was created for. I mean, I think a so. bird I mean, the is the bird. <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah. what I'm talking about. <laughs> what, what kind of bird is that, Jason? Is that just like a standard bluebird? Or? Yeah. Uh, I would say that in the, in the spirit of Twitter, it's a troll bird, probably. <laughs> mm, I <laughs> see, fair. I see. So speaking of Twitter, can you tell us about your Tricky Bird ID Twitter challenges? Yes. um, This was inspired by Dr. David Steen, who has a his own Twitter challenge called hashtag not a copperhead. He's a herpetologist and ecologist. And he, you know, people have this irrational fear of snakes. So they would uh, post photos of snakes and he would identify them for them. And I said, okay, well, I can do this with birds. There are about a thousand species here in the United States. We can do the same thing with birds. So I decided not to go the route of just taking beautiful, pretty photos of birds and identifying them because when we're out there in the field, that's not what we're experiencing. We're experiencing birds that are 75 feet high in the tree and we're just looking at them from underneath and trying to figure out what in the world they are. And it's challenging. It's tough. I tell people all the time, Bird ID is hard. Never get discouraged. So because of that, I took the spirit of that and I decided, you know what? Let's highlight photos that are out of focus, long distance, or even let's just post some close-ups or some sounds of birds. And let's try to highlight what we can glean from those photos to try to identify these birds. I'm just trying to make bird identification less hard for everyone out there because we all, everyone that's in it all agrees. This is tough, challenging, but fulfilling work at the same time. So what are some of the basics of bird identification if we want to participate in this challenge? Whenever I post a, we go three rounds, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesday nights on Twitter. Whenever I post a photo, I include the location. That is so important. I think a lot of people overlook that. Location matters greatly because just by the location of the sighting, you can eliminate tons of birds. So you can narrow it down immediately based off location. And then you're looking at things like <laughs> the, the uh, acronym that we use is JIZ. So well, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly. Yes. You Podcast, know what that yeah. is, guys? You know what that is? That's foul. I have no more words for you. This. This is, right. That's impressive. All right. So what's uh, JIZ? <laughs> JIS stands for general impression, size, and shape. That's tough to swallow. I'm sorry, I'll stop. Go on. Oh, well, that worked on two levels. I know. I know. <laughs> really thank did. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was the point. So, yeah, if you use that acronym, you can get a better understanding at what type of family you're looking at, what type of bird you're looking at. If you look at the size of the bill, um, just the 
overall shape of the bird? Does it have long legs? Is it pretty stubby looking? Just different kind of things that can kind of cue you in on and, and narrow down the search for you. So I'm in New York City and I was curious, uh, like besides pigeons, what what are some birds I might be looking out for? <laughs> so, so, okay. My brother, who is also a bird, and my younger brother, he lives in New York still. I live in Atlanta now. And uh-huh. he, uh, we compete with each other each and every year. And he sees so much more birds than me just in the cities that we live in. Oh, my God. New York is such a good place to see birds. Because, okay, so we all know it's the concrete jungle, right? There's so many buildings and, and what looks like not suitable habitat for birds. But then you have places like Central Park. You have places like Pelham Bay Park in the Bronx, these kind of like green oasis for birds. And they uh, flock, I guess you can say, to these locations. <laughs> yes, I have one. You have like 10. That's the <laughs> to, to, to be fair, he's literally using the correct. It's not even a pun. It's not it's a pun. It's the correct <laughs> scientific <laughs> word for flocking. It does not count. I'm sorry. Yeah, let him have. <laughs> i'm trying i'm trying um, yeah so you have these these uh concentrated areas where all of these birds are congregating and of course you have the the fact that new york is also a coastal city as well you're seeing tons of birds in the northeast in general and new york is a really good uh haven for birds so if you go to central park between mid-april and mid-may you're going to see Baltimore Orioles. You're going to see so many different species of warbler and sparrow and vireo. There's at least 70 species at any given point in time in that window in Central Park. That's awesome. I have one more New York bird-related question. I watched your episode entitled, Is Is the Central Park Mandarin Duck the Trump of Birds? And you guys were talking <laughs> yeah. about like how it's really gaudy, you know, yeah. he like is invasive, didn't earn their position. I love that. Um, but I didn't realize that the duck that that duck was brought to the u.s from somewhere else are there other birds like that in new york or like Um, what what are some of the most prevalent ones yeah so so there's many different instances like that right so the mandarin duck is a an escapee so that's a duck that was probably someone's pet or probably belonged to some kind of zoo collection somewhere that wound up either escaping or getting dumped there by the owner Now, those birds aren't what we call chaseable for a birder. So that's a a, a domestic bird. Uh, It doesn't count. It's not a wild bird. It didn't fly here on its own volition from Asia, where that bird is naturally found. And so it's pretty much just an ornament at that point in time. Um, Now, there are also invasive birds that are brought here uh, either by accident or on purpose by people. Like, for example... This Shakespeare enthusiast who decided to bring hundreds of house sparrows and European starlings to Central Park in different parts of the country in the 1800s and release them. Now, <laughs> there are billions of them and they are everywhere. That is an invasive species. It's one of the only two birds that are not protected federally. So I guess that's what that means is if you see one, you can kind of like kick it and no one will... <laughs> arrest you for it <laughs> wow good to know <laughs> not saying you should go around kicking birds but if you were to no, go no, no. around kicking birds house sparrows, <laughs> european starlings maybe even a mandarin duck or two i'm just saying okay. i had i wanted to go back to twitter for better or worse and i wanted to hear a little bit about how that tricky bird id challenge grew and and you know the Mm-hmm. The the flight of that challenge. Man, that's another one. That's, you got to let Sorry. me Sorry. Um, <laughs> that, one, that one was mediocre. I wasn't too sure how it was going to be received by everyone. I, I wanted to, I, I started to dive all into the Twitter analytics. What is Twitter peak times? What times is the best to kind of, I guess, interact with an audience? And at the end of the day, I just decided, you know what? Let me do this game when I have the time to do it. So I picked the time that was best suited for me, and I made sure that I was consistent. Uh, and people loved it. They absolutely loved it. And I'm so glad that they loved it. But it also meant that I, now I have a commitment from now on. So <laughs> I have to keep on producing this game. And um, it can be hard sometimes to find 
out of focus, blurry photos, which is surprising. Um, but yeah, uh, the interaction that I'm seeing and, and people, you know, messaging me and, and telling me how much they enjoy it and the fact that they're learning so much from it, that is the overarching goal. If I can teach someone how to correctly identify a Cooper's hawk versus a sharp-shinned hawk, which is one of the, the biggest questions that we always get, or how to tell apart certain sparrows or certain warblers during the fall season. Those are the keys. That's kind of what it, what it was modeled around, being able to tell birds that look alike apart from one another. That's awesome. Um, I was curious. I know I, I was reading like you're interested in making birding relevant to young people. <laughs> yeah. um, so is that part of the work that the Audubon Society is doing or you know, is that just kind of you on your own? I think, that the, I think that's part of the work that a lot of organizations are starting to do when it comes to birds. I think organizations like the National Audubon Society, also the American Birding Association and the uh, American Bird Conservancy as well. The, uh, all of those organizations are starting to put more of a focus on the younger generation because I think that whenever anything becomes more popular, it starts to uh, get younger as well. And birding, I tell people all the time, especially younger crowds, it's Pokemon Go, but with real birds, with real animals. <laughs> And, and it's hunting without the gore as well. There's a lot of factors out there that can kind of uh, hook someone and, and get them really addicted to it. Uh, so I think that it's going to become younger and it's going to become more diverse as well as it grows in popularity. And dovetailing off that, God, I'm so sorry. God, don't um, acknowledge her. <laughs> <laughs> How is the that. internet being used to attract a younger and more diverse crowd? You know, a lot of people kind of look back in the good old days and they say, oh, that was such a simpler time. I would much rather live during that time. I disagree. I think that's nonsense. I would much rather live in today's world where we have yes. to so many things. <laughs> I can speak to someone across the country or even across the globe just by sending a tweet out. I think that the rise of the internet and especially social media has helped a lot when it comes to just seeing familiar faces out there. I think that that's one of the most uh, unique parts about all of this. Uh, for example, um, there aren't, I don't know if anyone here knew this, but there aren't a lot of black birders out there. Just going to shock, I'm going to rock yeah, the world there, there with that. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but uh, using social media, I can see that there are indeed other black birders out there in states like California, or Illinois or Arizona, and I can start a network with them and we can become friends and we can kind of just share things that are familiar to us and, and grow this relationship and grow a friendship and hopefully reach out to other people who look like we do as well and kind of start a movement essentially. So I think that in being in today's world with the rise of the internet and social media is one of the biggest parts about all of this. That was a fucking perfect answer. I'm done here. <laughs> yeah, this interview is over. Yeah, I'll see ya. Jason, you said that um, this is Pokemon Go, but for real birds. And my question there is, when I find a bird, can I capture it in a small ball and then fight other birds you can with it definitely do that thanks so much for that addition matt that was really <laughs> worthwhile <laughs> if you if you if you find a european starling or a house sparrow please capture it in a pokemon ball a basketball a baseball doesn't matter capture it and yes you can do whatever you want with it oh, cool you heard it, it here guys thank you very much <laughs> all right please proceed uh, yeah. So what are some of the best online resources for birding? Jason, I know I saw something in one of your videos about like bird listservs. Like where are birders going online? All right. I don't like listservs. I'm going I'm I'm <laughs> right. to I think listservs, they utilize email as, the, as a, 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 what they consider to be an efficient method of getting information out. So this is the thing. If I'm birding in a certain location, let's say east, of this of a city and another birder who's west of the city sees something really rare and uncommon i'm gonna find out through email hours later i'd much rather find out on twitter the moment it happens so i think mm. we're starting to move away from listservs and more towards more quicker efficient 
methods of communication. So I'm starting to see Twitter accounts pop up whose sole focus is just to tweet out bird sightings in a certain city. So we're starting to see stuff like that. We're starting to see uh, birders join uh, message groups like WhatsApp or GroupMe, and they're able to communicate with each other much quicker and get information out as well. I think that we're right on the frontier of a big boom when it comes to uh, apps being created specifically for birders to get information out to one another. Matt was talking earlier about an app that tracks the migratory patterns of birds based on people's photos of them in different states. So I don't know. There's probably some cool stuff out there. Matt, what's that I, called? I think I think yeah. I, I I may be mistaken, but I think it was called eBird or eBirds. Yeah. And it was like... I have, I have eBird you, on my you, phone. You take the picture. You, you have it. So is that... And it's, it's it was created by a university, maybe like Cornell or Cornell, some conservancy. Yes. Um, it is Cornell. Great. Is it good? Is this is is this good science happening? Um, crowdsourcing so this? I think so. Yes. And but I think that so this is what the app is. First of all, I think Cornell's eBird is the biggest current app out there. The most important as well. And the reason I say that is because it allows you to input data into a global database. And it, eBird will keep track of all of your data for you. It will compare it and contrast it with other people's data that live in the next town over, the next state, or the next country over. You are able to see where birds are at any given point in time anywhere across the world. And it keeps uh, one of my favorite features is that it keeps a ranking list for you as well. So you can see where you stack up with birders that are in the same city as you, in the same state, or in the same country as well. So I love the competitive aspect of it. So I'm able to see where I rank uh, currently with everyone. So we'd love to hear how this YouTube series came to fruition. Yeah, so, all right. I've been I've had this Twitter following for some time now. And uh, as I mentioned, consistency is key. And a part of the reason consistency is key is because you never know who's watching. So last year, March of 2018, the editorial director of Topic, which is this visual storytelling platform, they reached out to me and said, hey, love what you're doing here. Would you like to brainstorm a little bit and work together in the future? So I was like, okay, sure, let's do it. Exchanged information. Next thing you know, we're on a conference call and uh, we're just tossing out ideas. I came up with this really cool video series that we would record maybe two or three episodes just showing birding in a fresh new light. That turned into them hiring a director and a film crew and us going to Central Park two months later and filming the pilot episodes for Birds of North America. So no kind of media training, no kind of rehearsing or anything. I was just uh, pushed onto this platform and just decided to uh, host. In the very first scene of episode one, I am walking through this place called Sheep Meadow in Central Park. And uh -huh. anyone who's ever been there knows it's a place where everyone goes to just chill and hang out. They listen to music. They throw Frisbees around. They just, they just chill. They sunbathe. And they said, walk 100 feet out in this field. We'll have these big, giant cameras at the edge of the field. And we just need you to turn around and walk back toward us and deliver this monologue. And I'm thinking, I had, okay, but... Everyone else is going to be looking at me and they're going to hear me. So it was it was something that I just had to internally struggle with and get over. Listen, as as performers, I would like to just say that you soared. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, you know, but seriously, you're, you're the first episode. I have to say my favorite part. I wrote this down because I thought it was so adorable. Is you said something like, you know, when you see a bird. You get so excited. There's and there's like you want to have a party, but you got to keep the party inside. Yeah, and I love everyone, <laughs> everyone. You Let me tell you something. The party okay, inside. It's so cute. <laughs> Thank you. So this is how this happens. Um, I, I'm used to birding, right? So those scenes where the camera's just following me around and I'm looking for birds and I don't have to say anything, those are natural for me because I can do that all day long. But there are certain moments where we are seeing certain birds and hearing certain birds in the director who does an amazing job. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. He says, hey, tell us how you're feeling right now. And just was like word salad that just came out of me. No, it's so good. I'm going to start using it. I'm, I'm keeping my party inside right now, but I'm feeling it. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. My, my sister teased me about it. She thought it was the most funniest thing that she's ever heard. <laughs> 
<laughs> also, I love that you refer to Peregrine Falcons as, as Sky Lamborghinis. That's what they are. That's what they will be formally known as moving forward. <laughs> I'm in. Sky Lamborghinis. Now I can start incorporating car puns and this really opens doors for me. <laughs> <laughs> I have a totally different question. Do you have any bird tattoos? I just got one. Yeah. Okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> so this is my very first tattoo ever, actually. Oh. It took about four and a half hours and pretty large one. It's a Peregrine fa- Falcon, of course. You mean a Sky Lamborghini? Yep, it's a Sky Lamborghini, and it's just sitting on my upper sh- up, upper arm. And yeah, it costs a lot of money. <laughs> we filmed it. We filmed it. You filmed it? Yeah. You did? That's awesome. Okay, if you're open to it, I would love for you to join our Discord server and drop a photo of your new Sky Lamborghini. Gotcha. Jet. No problem. <laughs> okay, I'm so excited. Another unrelated question. What are... <laughs> I was just reading something about, like, that you know about some of the crazy extinct birds that were in this country. <laughs> Is that true? Do you, can you tell us about, like, what are some of the craziest extinct birds that used to be in the U.S.? Uh, in the U.S., so we have... Yeah. It, all right. So let's start with the passenger pigeon, right? Passenger pigeon, it, which, by the way, pigeons are really cool birds. A lot of people just think of pigeons and they just discount them and just toss them to the side and say, whatever, pigeons suck. Pigeons are amazing. They are the only birds out there who are able to produce milk-like <laughs> substance for their chicks. They, it's called pigeon milk. It comes from their throat. Oh, shit. And they can feed their babies that kind of milky substance. So anyway, passenger pigeons used to be so plentiful in, New York, in, in North America that uh, older settlers from back in the day, they used to see like what they described as a river of birds that would fly over their heads and it would darken the sky sometimes. And then we shot and killed them all. So um, that happened. And then there's the myth of the existence of the ivory-billed woodpecker as well. That is a bird of the southeastern United States. It was the largest woodpecker that we had here in the United States. And the reason why it's such a subject of controversy these days is because there are people out there who claim that they are still seeing this bird around. It's been extinct for over a hundred years. There's no way that they're seeing this bird anymore, but that doesn't stop these ivory build truthers from claiming that they're still seeing the bird. Oh man, there's a big online truther community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I was actually passed a, 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 a business card at a recent bird convention from someone out there who said, hey man, if you want to see a real bird, come talk to us. And he passed me the card and I looked at it and I just laughed because I thought he was kidding. And he says, no man, I'm serious. I have recordings. And I'm like, dude, get out of here, man. I mean, there are truthers <laughs> for everything and there are trolls for everything. So I was just curious, like in the YouTube comments on your series, are you getting some crazy responses? Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's inevitable. All right, so in one of the first videos, we did a kind of like a mini episode. A tutorial on how to use binoculars. This was shot May of last year. Since that point in time, I have been introduced to this, what we think of as a luxury brand of binoculars, who have decided to gift me with uh, a pair of their spiffy, really expensive binoculars that I would never been able to afford otherwise. So now I wear those everywhere that I go. And the old binoculars I had were Nikons. And during that mini episode, I'm teaching people how to use binoculars and I'm holding my Nikons. And there's just one person in the YouTube section who just commented two words, Nikons suck. (laughs) (laughs) We get people who are claiming that we're misidentifying some of the birds in, in the videos. And then you have the group of people who decided that they wanted to have these stupid things to say in one of our most recent videos. We did a, uh, a video with Molly Adams of the Feminist Bird Club. And of course, that brought out all of the trolls talking about why there needs to be a feminist bird club in the first place. And this one guy was like, oh, well, since he's so inclusive, I should show up at his bird walk with the Make America Great Again hat. Uh, all right, guy. Yeah. It's, it's really good that my brother and I, I'm able to have someone who I'm so close with, like my brother, who I'm able to share these stories with. because. My brother is so chill, so mild-mannered, so agreeable, and he's the good guy out of the bunch. And I'm, I still have a little Bronx in me. So when people say stuff like that, I'm lo- I have to really fight back the urge to comment and say, yo, 
Let's do it. Come and see me. Like, so it's it's difficult sometimes to say, you know what, Jason, you're past this level now. You don't have to resort to that kind of stuff. I think the way you deal with it could be effective, though, like taking it to blows immediately. Like, I think they would yeah. back down. <laughs> Either ignore it or fight them, but like nothing in between. Uh, I love that that's your attitude. But Jason, don't crow there. it's gonna be a waste of your time (laughs) just like me (laughs) uh jason i have a quick question for you um my daughter is six and she is recently like obsessed with birds in the neighborhood in the yard and my question for you is like what sort of kid-friendly gear apps projects should we be equipping her with because she's she's all aboard the bird train here yeah so there's actually a lot of really cool things that you can use to kind of cultivate that obsession from the app perspective there's audubon birds mm-hmm. uh also raptor id as well both of those are free apps then you have ones that cost a little bit of money like sibley volume two that one is about 20 bucks those apps take you inside the world of these birds. It shows you their range maps. It actually plays different songs and calls back for you so you can learn them. The Raptor app actually shows you video of the different hawks and falcons flying around so you can get a better idea of how they look when they're in flight. All of those apps, I know I dove into them when I first started to bird and I can see kids diving into them and loving listening to the different sounds that these birds make as well. Um, In addition to that, there are young or youth birding groups that exist in different parts of the country. Uh, What city do you live in? We're based in New York, uh, but uh, in the suburbs. So uh, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's a New York Young Birders Club. Uh, I I just uh, did an episode with the Ohio Young Birders Club and they're a really cool group of younger birders who are trying to usher in the next generation of birders. They, they exist from 18 years old all the way down to about 11 years old. And then they have younger kids that are even younger than that, that they're kind of uh, uh, grooming, I guess you can say, and, and so that they become and they fi- find like this sense of community as they get older as well. So there's no substitute, regardless of groups, and regardless of all the apps that are out there, there is absolutely no substitute than actually just going out there yourself. No matter if you're six years old or 60 years old, the best part is actually going out there, putting some binoculars up on some of these birds and experiencing it for yourself. Let the birds do the work, the heavy lifting for you. Well, that's sort of my question, but I think you might have just answered it like in the same vein as you know what Matt was asking, but for adults who are novices, maybe who live in cities and they just want to get out and get started, like even if they don't have yeah. binoculars, do you need binoculars? Like what are some things you can do just today? <laughs> Not really. You, you, you know, binoculars definitely amplify and help your experience, but birding in and of itself can be very therapeutic. Uh, I, I think that it's a huge stress reliever um, to be able to actually go outside early in the morning. Uh, escape from whatever's going on in your phone or in on the news or whatever the case is, and just going out there to your local park and just standing, just just being there, listening, sit, standing still for a moment and listen, especially during springtime when the, all of the birds are singing and you get to experience what we call the dawn chorus of birds that are just singing around you. Now, we know what they're singing about, but <laughs> that kind of experience can be so beneficial from just a mental health perspective. You don't need binoculars. All you need is your eyes and ears. That's beautiful. Well, on that <laughs> note. All right, Jason. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. This was awesome. Some might say it was very fly and I have no egrets. <laughs> I knew that one was coming. I knew yeah. that one was coming. eventually. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. You guys are amazing. There's so much about birding that I didn't know. Also, I know I always say I'm going to try something, but he made that sound so easy. <laughs> <laughs> like I could just step outside right now and just listen. <laughs> that was wonderful. I, I love that he's like keeping, he, he's trying to move this activity forward into the times, um, is focusing on diversity. I think it's, I think it's really fucking cool. 
Yeah. And also awesome as, uh, you know, as we know that uh, he's both online, such a presence, and then this activity itself is so like in the real world. <laughs> um, but they go together really well. Yeah. And in terms yeah. of like reaching more people, I think it's really cool. I, I mean, I kind of genuinely do want to get into birding. As I've said many times this podcast, I'm obsessed with flowers and they feel similar. That made sense to me. I don't care if it makes sense to anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, I don't know. It could be a, an interesting way to meet people. Like, I don't know. There's probably birding meetups and stuff. But I don't know. I think birds are really cool. They come in so many different shapes and sizes and colors. I also feel like I love scuba and it feels kind of related to that. I'm going to keep... I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. <laughs> bird dating. There's bird dating. Probably. I'm going to skip that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Matt, are you going to take this up for your little little one? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, she just, she does it all automatically. Walk into the school bus stop, it's like, Daddy, stop. There's a robin. That's so And we have cute. to, like, freeze. It's it's adorable. She Oh, and then she was playing outside, just hanging out. I was finishing up some work, and then I just hear her outside going, <laughs> and she's laying on the top of a playhouse, just laying down looking up at the sky, doing bird calls, just that she's hearing outside in the hopes of attracting birds so that she can then uh, look at them. Just, we got to get her binoculars. And and she's serious. It's adorable, but yeah, she's very Do you have a a birdhouse? Yeah, we do. And we we usually get uh, a a little family in there every season. Uh, Nothing yet, but hopefully. Oh, you know, we haven't talked about hummingbirds. They are so fucking cool. Yeah, baby. (laughs) I well, love if you're a hummingbird <laughs> and you want to have a bird mortgage, uh, Matt has a little house. <laughs> um, that's so cute. Remember bird baths? Let's bring back bird baths too. Sure. My grandmother sure. had yeah. one of those. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of bird calls, uh, I have some calls from the public if you guys are interested. <laughs> oh, Wait, really? Nice. We're doing that? Call, 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 here is a voicemail that we recently got about our books episode, our Bookstagram episode. Cool. Here we go. I just listened to Bookstagram and uh, about listening to books at uh, increased speed. And I want you to know that I do listen to this podcast and most of my podcasts at one and a half speed. And you guys talk really, really fast and it's great. And then sometimes it defaults back to normal and it surprises me. How slow you guys actually speak in real life. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Allie does not speak slowly in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Allie's one of the fastest talkers I know. She's like an auctioneer constantly. (laughs) I'm I'm constantly auctioning. Hey, what's bird? What's bird? Uh, man, I love hearing voicemails from listeners. I don't know. It gets me. It's just like, (laughs) because the three of us just kind of sit here, you know, chatting and then Matt's an invasive species. I wanted to fit that in somewhere. <laughs> um, but anyway, but then they call and it's like, it's so real. I'm like, oh, there are really people. I mean, even when people email us, but it doesn't feel as real. When I hear their voices, I'm like, oh, this is a real person that's listening and it's so fucking cool. So that guy yeah. didn't leave his name, but thanks for calling. This is so odd, but somehow this conversation does feel extremely private until we realize this is a podcast. <laughs> like yes, when I'm just talking to you guys, it, all, it doesn't yeah. feel like anybody will ever hear these words. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, the people are listening. All right. It's good to keep in mind, <laughs> but don't there think about it too a, hard. There have been a few times where, where it's like, okay, guys, hey, check out, you know, make sure the show is good to go. Like we schedule it for Monday. And Jen's like, Oh shit! I don't. You got to cut that out. Like my family listens to this. Like, you <laughs> I have to, I said. A, I said. Something. I divulge too much sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you are listening to an audio uh, thing, like a book or a podcast, for informational purposes, like I need to get facts and figures about a topic, then yeah, one point five speed. You know, two two x speed. Like get that information fast. All about it. But if you are listening to something for entertainment purposes. Purposes. You're robbing it of its comedy. That's exactly right. My wife listens to com so like all of her podcasts at one point two or one point five, but even the comedy ones. And I'm like, you're missing all the jokes because like these are people who are performing for you. And so my question is like, what are we? Are we a, an informative show or are we like a people chatting, hanging out kind of show? I mean, we are in between, I think, like informative and comedy. But yes, comedy is all in the timing. So I don't I mean, understand yeah. how I work at 1.5 speed and my voice must be so fucking high pitch. 
Anytime Matt talks, I think people could just up the speed, but then when we talk, right. they could slow it down. Slow it down yeah. for us. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I loved this wholesome, wholesome episode. I thought he was a great guest. I love what he's doing for birding. Don't pigeonhole birding. So guys, we want you to go out in your neighborhoods and find birds and take pictures of them. Tweet them at us. Tweet them at Jason. Get us all in the same tweet and hashtag 2G1P. Um, and we would love to see what you're finding in your neighborhood. So my Twitter handle is at Junebugger, J-O-O-N-B-U-G-G-E-R. I'm at Allie Gold, A-L-L-I-G-O-L-D. And by the way, Jason's Twitter handle is at Jason Ward NY. You can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you as well as on the phone. Call us. You can leave us a voicemail and we, you know, might play it on the show like we just did. That number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And last but not least, we'd love for you to join our Discord server. That's discord.gg slash 2G1P. Jump on in there with other listeners and with us and continue the conversation. Ali, if they want to contribute to us, how can they do that? Please go to patreon.com slash 2G1P. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. by Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg, then rolled up in a tiny paper and tied to a crow's leg. I mean, produced by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a product of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. Your support on Patreon keeps this internet audio program going. Visit patreon.com slash 2G1P and consider a small contribution. There are a variety of rewards to choose from, but the best reward, of course, is that you'll go to heaven. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. Will not harm vegetation!